All that energy's tired, wish I could drown in Soko I keep the neighborhood vibing, you never find me solo The big money talking about big money, money needed The big money talking about big money, money needed Jesus bless, I'm from West, no stress, I got members only And I'm from West, I confess, Jesus bless, my members only Me, my homies, me, my trophies, members only Me, my homies, me, my trophies, members only Jesus bless, I'm from West, no stress, I got members only And I'm from West, I confess, Jesus bless, my members only Me, my homies, me, my trophies, members only me, my homies, me, my trophies, members only This the game, this the heat, this the pain I feel in my neighbor This for my niggas who selling work, really auctioning labor Die for the bank, die for the bag, rest in peace in the paper This for my niggas who breaking bread, giving thanks to the maker Favor for favor, bending a black, keep a watch on my back They kill my homie Bobo, they left for my logo, laying on the ground flat And I need a Rolex, I need a go flex, put my set on the map Keep a piece on my waist, you know my face, my OG Give me that, him bring pick a sight, flop us all last night. Gonna do the jam, I have four five at all the twice. Lots of guys are mine. Shadow line, can't fake it. I go to the sky. If I no get spy, can't lose your girl. Can't be flop, I get spy. Spin city, I slide. Tap against the gun, I'm on the target. Can't lose my heart. La mestrotin, nigga, you know get happy when I get robbed. So I get tea. Did it dance? I get set the black rock on my side. Follow logo to a smile. Can not touch the style? Beauty flying kick. Romeo must die. Make no mistake. One man as a race. I got my gal and my nasa to catch a case. Headshot nowadays. Flop over say, but overland I got base. You know my ways. From a lot of jumpers, I got five for all the days. No bobbin flakes. Straight swing, he denied it like a face. Lord knows. Switch a lane, he passenger seat he get lashed. Give me four dose. I got a lot of stiffies and boxes get stashed. I got more foes. But I'm a fella, but I'm a fat nigga crazy. My mama, I confess, I'll rip in the west. All that energy's tired. Wish I could drown in Soko. I keep the neighborhood vibing. You never find me solo. The big money talking about big money, money needed. The big money talking about big money, money needed. Jesus bless, I'm from West, no stress, I got members only And I'm from West, I confess, Jesus bless my members only Me, my homies, me, my trophies, members only Me, my homies, me, my trophies, members only Jesus bless, I'm from West, no stress, I got members only And I'm from West, I confess, Jesus bless my members only Me, my homies, me, my trophies, members only Me, my homies, me, my trophies, members only Members only. Members only. And you're alive on Dead Radio. Yo, I have to be very sure, bro. I have to be very sure. (laughs) But yo. What's up, everybody? Um, welcome to another episode of Dead Radio. With your main man, Bangy is dead. And today I've got a very special guest. You already know we only have special guests on this show. And yeah, um, let him introduce yourself. I'm good, bro. How you doing? I'm good, man. Uh, it's Anthony Pila. Rulani okay. Anthony Pila. When I'm in full, full artist mode. 
uh, <laughs> some people know me as the expressionist, isolationist. Right. Uh, just yeah, just the guy doing his thing, yo. Oh, where, bro? Where? So before I get into like uh, other cover, like before I get into other topics and stuff, um, so I need to find out like about your background, like so, um, like where you grew up and where you're from and like where we were born and like just to get an idea of what like uh, inspired you to be like who you are today. I was born in the in the East Rand, Kuruleni, uh, right. in, a, in a township called Tembisa, in 1986. And if hey, you we had to give us a date. Now we know how old you. are. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. I actually I don't I don't normally give out my I don't give out my birthday. I don't mind giving out my age because you know right. you are the age right. of your mind. And for me, the older you are, it's it's a benefit because you have the experience of time, but it doesn't mean your mind has to be old in the things you consume and the way you approach, you know? Right. Like, old yeah, is upset and, like, newness, but, like, what you lose with uh, that is often experience and, like, uh, things that have been tried and tested and, and, you know, things that have had tried and error. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I grew up in, uh, in Tambisa, uh, moved to Kempton Park, in the 90s when it was legal legal right. eagle that was like oh, <laughs> gotta get out of tembisa tembisa was a bit of a rough neighborhood right and, uh, i grew up in uh Lebuang and duluini the 1619 sure. um and yeah born in tembisa hospital man like thoroughly bred in in the east rand went to school in benoni because right. the schools in kempton park were too were too wild uh there was a right. school i was supposed to go to called sapir uh, and then the year before, I was supposed to go there when I was in grade seven. Some yeah. kid got stabbed in in that in the what? high school, got and my stabbed. mom was like, ah, "Yeah, got you're stabbed." Not going there. Early days. <laughs> my mom was what? like, "Yeah, we're not you're doing not that." There. Yeah, definitely. Ended what? up in called Wordsworth in uh, in Pinoni. Uh And I went yeah. there. Yeah, actually, quite a few. Uh, quote-unquote entertainers, famous-ish people went there. <laughs> uh, what is that as famous as you would read? <laughs> in South Africa, fame is a relative term, you know? A hundred percent. Yeah, people like Naked DJ and his twin sisters, who I think also right. had a radio show on, on uh, YFM back in the day. Uh, Lyra went to my high school as well. So, But I mean, generally, oh. East produces, you know? Uh, oh no! Yeah, quite a, a number of people actually of, from the yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah quite a number of people actually from the eastern quite a number so fine yeah, um, people often downplayed when they make it though which is weird you know all of a sudden people are from Soweto when they are <laughs> uh, which is always like a weird <laughs> you know how it is people always want to belong like where the most the majority of people belong because like it's like a cool yeah. thing yeah it's weird <laughs> but yeah I mean that's that's kind of the gist. Just of the background. Okay, so now, through all of that happening, you being at school, what makes you get into, like, photography? And was that, like, the first thing you get into? Not at all, man. Uh, my first outlet, my first creative outlet, if I, if I recall, was definitely singing. Like, I used to love singing. And, like, you know, I would listen to a lot of R&B, a lot of soul, a lot of jazz. Right. Growing up, my dad is, like, a big Bob Marley fan. So we were singing Buffalo Soldier at an early age. <laughs> and that's like was my first outlet. And um, okay. and I was a big reader. And then the reading right. led me into comics. And comics led me into drawing. 
and like these are all things I've st- I still do now. I just don't like publicize them too much because they're, right, they're right. not for you know commercial purposes. Right. Say. Yeah. Uh, and then through the 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 comics and the drawing, I would say eventually, like 15, 20 years later, it led to photography because what I realized what? in retrospect is drawing is like taking a slow photograph, and that's what it was pre-photography like you know right the pharaohs the mongols uh you know like medieval britain the queen victoria all of those people when they wanted themselves uh to be remembered and immortalized they got mm-hmm. painters rembrandt right. they got da vinci they got michelangelo the right. Medici family would you know uh mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. people commission them to do work so those t- to me especially in that period it was just like a, a slow photograph. That's all it was. It was like a long exposure to use a technical term. Right. Um, so yes, my eye was always trained because I would consume art and all kinds of art, like uh, Japanese illustration and anime and manga. But how uh, old were you? Fine at this point, were you consuming like this stuff? What? How old are you? Like when you're consuming this stuff? Ah. Uh, Jeez, man, as, as soon as I, I could hold the book by myself, uh, I was actually uh, telling Kenny um, about, there's a, there's a library when we moved to the suburbs, there was a library in within like five minutes walking distance uh, from where I stayed, and obviously I got the library card, whatever, and yeah. we're only allowed to take out four books, and what I did, because I would consume them quickly and I wanted more, I'd steal two or three more books and put them in my in my pants when I was like eight or nine, man. What? I'd, even twelve or thirteen. I'd always give them back, obviously. Yeah, obviously. But like, <laughs> but like I just I, I didn't have the time to like take out five books and then have to wait a week and then get another five because I'd go through those books like daily because they were like kids. Uh, right. uh, so what I didn't realize though is that the 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 librarian actually saw this and like was just letting me slide because she knew that i would always get the books just back. reading word yeah. and just, just like reading like yeah which is very rare because karen's karen's usually ain't for like you know no nah, ain't about that but yeah that's kind of where the photography like i actually hated photography uh for the longest time or at least being in photographs and like being photographed and it really? was only when I was maybe in like 22, 23, that I started kind of looking at photography as something that I, I, I would enjoy doing because I wanted a new outlet. And right. it was, I would contribute primarily to Tumblr, man. I would consume right. a lot of Tumblr at that age, um, which is now almost 10 years ago. Yeah, it was right. about 10 years Crazy. ago now. In uh, like Tumblr, you know, you'd see all of these like street style photography was becoming a thing. And like, yeah. and like I'll consume all of these images and you know the funny thing about being creative is that as soon as you consume something creative eventually consuming it doesn't become enough you need to start mm-hmm. creating it yourself like whatever medium it is ask any creative person across any spectrum whether it's engineering or like painting or like philosophy or whatever or poetry any right. for me any industry has creative potential it's how you apply your mind to solve problems people don't even know exist yet or that exist right. and a solution to so mm. yeah mm. i would consume all of these things and eventually i was like yo man i have to 
start taking photographs because another issue was that black lives didn't matter to the internet especially back then like right and you use the internet it was very white like it was you know it was pre pre the conscientiousness that exists now but there's still like a a long way to go if you google i don't know professional businessman the photos yeah. that are, are like white <laughs> yep. serious king dudes. i know about that yeah even professional hairstyles and it's gonna be yeah dude and, and like stubble and i checked that shit out it's crazy yeah i checked it out too and i was like i was so shocked when i saw that because i knew I, I knew these things happen but then when i uh googled it for myself like i'm professional i'm professional hairstyles and like dreadlocks pop up and afros well, it's, and it's like what it's, the hell and that's it's why, like, extremely like, biased. It is like important even in programming. Like I was watching a program today, and I actually started reading up on it on facial recognition software, and right. how facial recognition software that's been designed has been used to like um, quell people that have been rioting and protesting and doing all kinds yeah. of things. The issue is that the software has been developed by obviously almost completely white teams and primarily white men so the social recognition software is misrecognizing people so there were instances where the, the software would pick me up somewhere in a protest and say it's tabang rabotata and yeah. now people are looking for you and like you know they say but we've got the footage because it, it hasn't been trained the ai hasn't been trained to pick up the nuances uh, but when it was white right. men could identify them correctly so the issue would be that you could be framed for something that you didn't do and there was even a woman who was in america so at a ivy league school and she was um arab and someone in her home country committed some terrorist act and the social recognition software said it was her and you know thankfully she was in a different country or else they would have said it's you you're a terrorist so like it shows you how there's a bias even in the programming of these things if you don't have a room full of diverse people that account mm, for mm, everyone mm. that exists, you know? Right. That makes so much sense. It's probably just like this whole... I know it's it's, it's, a, it's a funny um, example, but it's like the whole band-aids thing. Like, do you see yeah. um, Band-Aid now is creating, like, uh, Band-Aids of color? Well, yeah. Um, but only now. It's like, dude, you guys have been around for, like, a hundred years. Dude, you guys have created <laughs> one shade for a hundred years yeah and i mean i used to get in trouble in school uh when i moved to like model c schools from schools in the hood because the white kids would use um like cokies and markers and crayons and color pencils that were their skin tone but the yeah. default we called skin color and uh-huh. i would say like are you calling it skin color because there's lots of different skin colors here brown is a skin color all of these, you know, and and then it was like, no, he's being a rebel, he's being disrespectful to the teacher. And yeah, he's starting a ruckus. Yeah, <laughs> it was just like legitimately asking, like, how can you call one thing skin color when there's so many skin colors? Call it. I don't know what you call white people skin color, to be honest, because there's colors for everything else. Like, I don't know, pink, right? I don't know, but like, you know, it was. <laughs> I got got in trouble in school for it, but you know. We, we but moved. of course, yeah, but of course. So now you, at, at what point do you get a camera and do you start using a camera? 
Yo, man, uh, I had a friend uh, called Silas Lechwati. He was, we actually used to draw together. He's a t- talented illustrator. And he had um, like this old Zoom, really crappy digital camera. And right. what happened was like through the Tumblr blogging, um, a lot of like, you know, the blog got recognized. And like, uh, I-, I used to borrow his camera because I wanted to start taking photos of friends. And right. after you his camera two or three or four times and taking these photos uh mr price hit me up and they were like yo uh we want you to do some work with us would you be keen to shoot some street style are you for real yeah man that's that's how it happened <laughs> just like and that no, no, like, no, no. i'm not a what? professional i don't know what's happening and now he posted this on tumblr yeah man so you yeah, made man. noise through tumblr yeah, man. Well, Tumblr was big in the day, man. You might, you no, might no, have, I, have to look, remember. I definitely, I know. <laughs> no, I remember how big it was. I just didn't know, like, brands, like, were starting to, like, scout people ever since, like, yeah. Tumblr days. I thought, like, the scouting thing was, like, new to Instagram type thing. You know what I mean? Well, to, to the credit of the agency that worked uh, through, or that Mr. Price worked through, uh, right. I don't know a guy called Neville Trickett's. So he used to own an agency that um, worked as like the primary creative agency for Mr. Price. And like Neville is like a, a really creative and genius guy, probably in his like 70s or 80s now. Uh, right. If you're not sure who he is, he is, you know, Jamal and Lex Trickett of Bubblegum Club. Yes. Lex Trickett's dad. Um, and uh. like if you know anything about like, you know, Lex his creative mind and the work that he does at Bubblegum Club, you can see that the apple hasn't fallen far from the tree. So right. it was uh, Neville Trickett and his and his daughter who used to work at that uh, agency back then. Um, I think it was called Wisdom and Youth, uh, right. if I remember correctly. They, they were like, yo, man, we've been, you know, they were on the pulse. They got it. Uh, so they hit me up and they were like, uh, would you like to, you know, fly to Cape, I mean, to Durban, We've got this campaign. I think um, MX Blouse was in that campaign. TT Teta right. that campaign. Uh, there was uh, this blogger called the Fashionista, I think, who was also right. part of like early days, man. Early, early days. So like, yeah, they hit me up, and I was about to be like, "Yo, I'm not a professional." And then they told me that there was a bag, and me being the <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah, well, let's go." Yeah. So I took Crazy. some safety. Uh, bought a camera, like a cheap camera. It was a Nikon D3100, if I remember correctly. What? Took that camera with me to Cape Town and like through the, like I downloaded like YouTube videos on tutorials and things. <laughs> and then when we landed, we went, man. <laughs> and then from that... You're joking. No, nah, man. Joking. That's how it happened. What the f- <laughs> I can't believe I've never heard this before. Dude, so you're telling me I'd, like you didn't take this like professionally before you actually got a job. So you, no, the, the job, no. the job forced you to be a professional. Straight up, man. Basically, it kind, of, kind of chose crazy. Uh, it's so crazy, dude. A theory called phenomena exotica, and and right. it's basically about synchronicity in that strange things happen, but they happen at for the reason. time that they're supposed to for a reason, in like sync with other things. Like one of the examples from this uh, synchronicity theorem is yeah. this bought two uh, lotto tickets. The one lotto right. ticket was for a lottery in LA. The one was for a lottery right. in New York. And then right. both numbers ran and she won both times. The only issue was that 
the LA numbers one in New York and the New York numbers one in LA. One in LA. So she couldn't cash anything. Win anything. Out. Yeah. So it just shows ah, you like like the situation of like things making sense but not making sense. Right. Uh, right. You know because I had friends that had studied photography um that had done the thing professionally and you know it didn't happen for them and I just happened to be doing the the right thing at the right time but also being disruptive in my approach because I didn't do it the way that it was taught um right. you know you learn the rules and then you break the rules and usually innovation comes from people outside of their that industry because their thinking is outlier and it's just like periphery to like school sometimes can be a deterrent to creativity because right. it's teaching you to think sometimes sometimes yeah that's why you yeah. know you can't you know absolute you have to always uh give the room for sometimes not always sure. to contextualize yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not it's not a hard and fast rule ever okay so you go to this thing you body it i'm guessing you body it yeah you man it? Uh, it went it went well they were happy uh you know i had a relationship with with mr price and because of that woolworth saw the work that i did with oh, mr no. and then ah, it, another ball is moving yeah and then it started just kind of happening and then in between that you know i'd go to like early brownfontein days uh catch the train um maboneng had just started also like street cred was 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 a thing in cape town and it was moving into johannesburg train, hey cuz it can't be the hard train no nah, man it was metro rail what yeah cuz i was like yo the hard train yo back then there was no hard train bro no man <laughs> This was pre how train but I mean... Damn, 20- hustling boys oh. for real. Yeah. <laughs> so cool to go to Mabonang, Brown, getting the pictures, everything looking nice. Robots yeah. pulls up, find you buddy it. Um, and then from what, from that point, what happened? Like, do you now... Um, I mean, I still work, man. Yeah, I was still... Yeah, I still... Because I went to Boston Media House and I studied radio production. Right. And then at J, I studied copywriting. Uh, and then I used to work part-time at this agency called HDI, which was a youth marketing specialist agency. So I started right. working in matric. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually got the plug through a guy at school who said I should go in audition because they were doing an advert for Absa Bank and they needed rappers. And back then I used to, you know, through writing and stuff, we used to cipher at school. And yeah. this white like, saw me and like was like, yo, aunt, I told them about you. Go audition. There's a bag, um, okay. and then, and then I, you know, wherever there's a bag, man, I, <laughs> yeah, I found a route. <laughs> I found a route. So it happens when you grow up with not too much, man. You know, you yeah. find, you find you hustle. Um, so yeah, I, I auditioned for for that ad, uh, and then I got I got a part in it, and then through that I met the MD and the CEO of of that company and they told me about this thing called the junior board of directors where they would get young people to come in uh, once a week and talk to brands about what they think are good marketing strategies and bad marketing strategies so would sit in like these focus group type things but they always right. wanted kids who thought outside of the yeah. limits like they wanted kids who pushed the boundaries and were kind of ahead of the curve like yeah. I remember the session we had with Nokia and this was pre this this was like VJ phones were just t- t- like touching like VJ phones were like you know it wasn't even megapixels yeah. yet and right. Nokia was like yo what what kinds of phones should we invent and we were like yo the next phone company that makes a phone that has music that you can play that has radio that has a camera 
and has internet that it's going to be the next big phone because none of that existed there were ipods there was uh like a 5110 you know yeah. there was like pocket radios cd players none of those things that existed in a singular uh, object and we were like as 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 like young people generally are are thinking of like innovation and things that aren't happening so that's kind of the work that i did there and even after i studied and graduated from Boston Media House in UJ yeah. the opportunity a job and it was my first job for the first 3 years of my life i worked at HDI oh. before i moved to to another agency so right. i worked in advertising for like 10 years i started out as a, an account manager which which is a very like strict role and like very like yeah it's not creative at all but it was like What do you do? You basically <clears throat> are project manager you manage mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. relationships between the clients Just make sure stuff is done yeah are, are the posters done is the ad going to fly on time you know you're managing the relationship and my my supervisor or the person i reported to was like yo man you you always have creative ideas uh more so than you are structured at like you know the logistics of the creative flow right then he suggested or yeah he suggested that I should move more into the creative field so when i left mm-hmm. there got another job uh, i was pushing as a copywriter and right. from copywriting and writing like tv ads and radio ads and print ads and, and conceptualizing things uh, i moved into being a creative group head which is managing other creatives and like you know trying to build mm-hmm. clients and then the last creative job i had in advertising was Uh, is basically as a creative director and that's when uh I was like yo the photography is good enough um I don't need to be burning the candle at both ends so let me step away so like I took a break for like 2 3 months uh still doing some photography work and then yeah. you know, I went hard and like started pushing myself and promoting myself to agencies and brands and that's right. what I've been doing up until now so that's what that's what has turned like Anthony the guy that works at the agency to Anthony the boss. Tampa. Hey man, the the boss of one. The boss of <laughs> you know for me like in in my company Studio Bila I never want to fully employ more than a handful of people because yeah. I don't want a, a scalable company. It's the, the smart move is to scale your company and get bought out by some conglomerate to make your billions, but like yeah. I want to stay small and grow really slowly and organically yeah. um because i want the integrity of the work to always be there and i also don't want to lay claim to human beings like you are my employee i want collaborators and partners so when right. we have a project that fits we call in the various people that make sense we do the project everyone gets a share everyone and then if you, wanna, if you want to do something else you're not like tied to a desk every week and i mean something like corona i think has been um a horrible like deluge on on the planet but the right. silver thing is that it's made people realize you don't have to be in an office every day you can work, work remotely you know it's changed the way we we knew you things think. and it yeah. forced us and into like innovating and thinking outside of the ways we moved. like how many meetings that could have been an email a phone call oh, like you know FaceTime a, a FaceTime <laughs> Because now when I link up, bro, where's petrol now? Go meet up, <laughs> sit down. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so now for the photography, photography booming, and then 
with everything going well, you start Studio Pillar. So Studio Pillar, um, why did you, like, I know you explained why you started Studio Pillar, but, you know, there's yeah. people that are photographers or there's people that do what you do, um, but that don't have, like, something called Studio Pillar, if you get what I mean. You know, like, there's yeah. um, people that just would rather take pictures and um, um, build themselves as the brand. So yeah. why didn't you build the Anthony Bila brand and why did you decide to like actually just like have something else that you look over that could grow? Longevity, man. And and also because I have a plethora of creative interests and the way the world exists is that if the people understand you as one thing, they want you to stick to that one thing and they never want you yeah. to break out. And just because people have known me as a photographer... I was many things before as a photographer and I'll be many things after being a photographer and I've right. been many during being a photographer. So for me, Studio Bila is the repository for all of those ideas. Uh, even uh. going to my Instagram for Studio Bila, it is a very different thing to my Instagram for the expressionist because that's Ooh. become a silo that's only a segment in my mind to what Studio Bila is. Uh, uh -huh. You know, six months to a year, I think people are going to be very surprised at the kinds of things that Studio Bila is producing and the kind mm -hmm. of people collaborating with. Uh, you know, things that are very outside of also the cool industries that, you know, are fashion, music, uh, graphic design and illustration. Yeah. Those are kind of like the things people consider creative. When there's creativity in agriculture, there's creativity in textiles, there's creativity in plumbing is creativity right. in any and if for me uh again to answer your question of why i started studio bila i wanted to venture into those things because i my mind is a problem solving uh, apparatus that's what i use my mind for and right. using that avenue i can plug in with people that are experts in certain fields but don't see you know the the connecting of dots between different ideas and bringing mm. those to, mm. to solve human problems so um that's why it exists um and also for like a lot of my um film work like the the film that i'm going to drop called the isolationist that right. doesn't necessarily exist in the expressionist because it's it's very abstract it's very weird it's very dark like you know when people go to the photography work on the expressionist they want to see portraits and things that are more aesthetically traditional right. and pleasing mm. Um, mm -hmm. So it's like understanding mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. that, you know, my my ultimate dream is for the expressionist to exist as a as a business venture where I'm working now on getting younger photographers to work as people that, that as, as the expressionist. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's just title holder. Like think of what's a good example of a film? Batman. Batman has been Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer. Uh, Rob Pattinson now there's been you know different people yeah. that on the mantle and run with it it doesn't yeah. it's bigger than a person it's an idea uh, right. and that's how question is that it's it's not really about me I was just kind of the springboard and the talent that wants to connect with it and work through it let's let's go you know let's do it yeah, yeah, and then yeah. when that happens it gives me the, the the freedom for me to become the recluse that I am disappear and just work on weird projects and weird vibes that don't have to be commercially viable and commercially feasible because Studio Bila is just where ideas go to to live and die and experiment without yeah. worrying about 
oh, how is it going to be perceived? Is it oh, going to be cool? Do people think it's going to be dope? You know, we exist in a world for me that panders too much to social media. And I think it's warped the creative minds of a lot of people that yes. to create work that's people pleasing, but yes. doesn't test it doesn't you. Resonate with anybody. Yeah. It even, even doesn't even make you feel afraid. For me, like this should be uh, an element of fear whenever you drop uh, a new project because you feel like you've pushed yourself into new territory and you're not sure how it's going to be received like yeah. once you, you there's this david bowie interview where he speaks about once you stop trading water um then you know you're in a good creative space because if you're if you're if you're on on land all the time like you're not elevating you're not pushing yourself um you're not trial and error and you know creativity yeah. has mistakes and yes trying it again and making yes. a better mistake and yeah. iterating <laughs> versions of it like if you look through the, the the best creative minds and like the behind the scenes of the finished product you see like the iterations like there's this documentary that i saw from isi miyaki and the way yeah. that the perfectionist but like the first version of the drawing to the thing that went down the runway were like completely different same and like you know he also didn't rush his process versus now where like as soon as the thing is even sort of ready people want to post because you want the clout you want recognition you want likes uh versus sometimes slowing down taking your time refining it and 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 getting to a point where you feel like it's evolved and grown because and it's the ready to be posted actually just evolves you know what did yeah. was five years ago and what it is now is an example of the iterative process of branching out into different products and right. different uh, quality controls on on the on the garments that you make. Right. And ideas evolving, and that's what yeah. it that needs to exist for for us as creators. You know, that definitely what needs to exist. Definitely because um, you know there was a conversation we we're having on on, on online. Um, because I know it's not necessarily based on what you're talking about, but because it's online, it's, it's surrounded by the Vogue challenge, right? And yeah. um, um, before I tell you my view of the Vogue challenge, since you've yeah. actually had, um, fe- you've actually been featured in Vogue, so actually, like, yeah, man, yeah, man. Prior and, and... to all of this, <laughs> <laughs> so now I need to tell what you think about the whole Vogue like challenge um, before I tell you like my two cents. Yeah, multiple multiple features, by the way, in Vogue. Yeah, and in Vogue multiple. Print. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> nah, nah, I'm just playing. But for me, it was it 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 was defeatist, you know. Yeah. Because the whole point of the Vogue challenge was subversive in that it was supposed to show how Vogue has missed the opportunity to empower and diversify the offering, and because. A, a large majority or a fair majority of the, the 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 influence and the clout that they have derives from black culture and blackness and right. for that publication to exist for 126 years it only have one singular black photographer in the history of the 126 it's years ridiculous and for me it's like cool the photographer is seen as the apex of that but how many models that are, are black and people of color how many disabled models how many models that are different shapes and sizes stylists uh makeup artists the whole infrastructure 
because I think we all also run the risk of becoming myopic in our views of like uh, how things are. Like, cool, the photographer is an element of that creative process that creates right. writers, yes. the editors, all of those. It's an ecosystem. And the very reason that they didn't have blackness in, in that publication was because the whole ecosystem didn't intersect in all of these things of all the kinds yes. of people consume the work. So for yeah. me, um, it was a big issue. And also because, um, and I tweeted about this also, is that like this, the construct of those things is that if we allow one individual person of color or black person once in a while, you guys must be grateful for that and you must clap. Clap yeah, for no. the, one, the special black. And <laughs> yeah, the special guy. What happens, you know, if <laughs> both gives you some crumbs, you're like, yo, I'm special. I'm different. I'm, I'm not like these other, I, I, I got there. And that also is defeatist to the movement because if they're not consistently featuring us, then it's a problem. And that's exactly what I tweeted to say that like, this is glittering generality. Like this is a smokescreen that you're taking all of this free content, by the way. The Rainbow that, Nation. That these black people have created with like yeah. their hearts and their souls and their own resources. And yeah. now you're just going to feature it to kind of, blackface it you know what i mean to bro kind of, literally be like me, oh look we featured them now yeah and <laughs> for me like so you feature black creators through that whole ecosystem have black chief and editors for the next 126 years don't celebrate uh, a singular time you posted 10 right. different photographers on a hashtag and two weeks later we forget about it like that that doesn't work for me at all like and i say that knowing that i've i've been featured in the thing but I still recognize the problem and I'm not going to be afraid to voice it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so now what happens tomorrow if Vogue hits you up? It says, yo, Anthony, I want you to feature you. I want to feature you in Vogue. I take the job, but then I insist on the bag because as we establish at the beginning of the, <laughs> the conversation, bag <laughs> will be there. And then I bring the team with me. Insist on an all-black team, a black person writing it so that these institutions you know a break out of these molds of like oh let's let's take silos of and pockets of blackness and yeah, feature them faces uh, take it's taking that work but then making it as black as possible through the ecosystem and looking out for the people uh in and around my creative circle it's not just that oh anthony got a feature in vogue i'm running with it and then i'm there working in europe with all white teams it defeats it defeats the purpose, you know what I'm saying? It really so, does. It really uh, does. I still take the bag and and I use it to to open up more doors and more avenues for more people. That's that's how I do it. Because right. you know, you should be able to call something out constructively and critically and not be afraid that you're gonna get blackballed or like mm -hmm. the gatekeepers mm -hmm. are gonna shut you out because you challenged an, a, a relevant problem and a relevant issue that existed. hundred percent. hundred percent. So now, before the lockdown actually happened, you actually had like big plans for this year. Because I remember us talking about like the calendar um, and yeah. a couple of shoes and how we're going to work out. You were actually supposed to fly out to um, the UK just yeah. before um, um, like um, what's this, the borders were closed. And you had just came from um, the States, right? Yeah. It was, so yeah. <laughs> Corona hit uh, the week, the week, just the week before I was supposed to, to fly out to, to the UK. Right. Uh, Hey man, but you know, you make you make lemonade out of lemons. Uh yeah, of so I had what are we gonna do? Resident, 
I had a residency with this organization called Format, uh, which right. is like a fine arts uh, organization based in Derby in the UK. And what they do is work with um, photographers and fine artists from all over the world. And right. uh, was it was basically like a residency commission to create work in and around Derby. And the work could be something of my choosing. And then the work right. would be exhibited. So I would have been there for... Uh, I think it was six weeks, so about a month, mm-hmm. a month and a half or so, um, and then create the work, exhibit the work, uh, and then there was also a portfolio review with various uh, photo editors, photo commissioners from all around um, the UK and the world were going right. to that converge in Derby for this format festival, which is the biggest one of its kind. And they would basically review your portfolio of work. And it's, it's a networking opportunity to connect right. with different contacts across the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. all of that obviously couldn't happen because of Corona. Um, yeah. But the portfolio review at least is still going to happen online with uh, 10 for, for each of the people that have been booked. Dope. Dope, um, dope, dope, dope. And, uh, yeah, and before that, I was in the UK for, I mean, I was in the US for three months. Um, just yeah. building it over there. Went to go see my partner as well. Um, and also Very just cute. like wake up and, you know, walk all day and shoot. I was outdoors because she was working and studying also. So I'd yeah. spend weekdays for about 16 hours um, setting out creative routes for myself. Like I'd go to um, the Guggenheim and then walk around and take photographs and, you know, meet people and go to uh-huh. exhibitions. And then, you know, just build a, a network of people and uh, contacts in, in the U.S. And also get in touch with friends right. and people that I'd been in contact with or that had moved there. So, uh, yeah, man, there was, there was a lot happening. But for me, like, you know, it just this just changed the trajectory of the river. Of but course, the river of course, forward. still flowing. Yeah. So, cool. you back. About to go. Lockdown happens. Now, how does lockdown um, change how you work because obviously change how everyone works um, yeah. you can't just go to the street and take pictures um, now you, you have to just look around you and find yeah. what you can make do with what you've got so how yeah. do you like now structure yourself and like what are you doing now that you never used to do before what's happening well, first, right now first project I actually did and I haven't actually put it out was a, a photo project I called, I, it's like still untitled, but the working title is from my window. So because we had to quarantine, I would just, when I, whenever I had to do errands or grocery runs, yeah. I would roll up windows, take my camera, and as I drive and observe how different the world is, I would take photos from my car, but like okay. including perspective of the car. So you'll catch a little bit of the steering wheel or the side right. mirror or right. the... A rear view mirror or like yes. the window and the reflection and it's it's actually turned into an interesting body of work because it's like it's like the world is quarantined from you and you're quarantined from the world but you're right. in mobile vehicles so that was just like you know your ideas adapt to your to your to the nature of the world around you no cap uh, yeah if you really got ideas <laughs> yeah, they come and they go. <laughs> no, I'm saying, so I'm like saying if you like really, really got ideas, your mind adapts. If you really have ideas, if you're yeah. not stealing, if you really have them. <laughs> yeah, good, good ideas are, you know, they can, ex- and that's some, something I learned in advertising is that yeah. like our creative directors always said big ideas are translatable across language, across mediums. So, like, 
sometimes I'll come up with say a good script for radio, but it wasn't yes. a good idea for the brand. So the creative director would say, well, if Let's this idea is good radio, mm. how do we translate it to TV and print and billboard and online and all of these other things? And if you couldn't oh, do it, then it's a bad the idea. idea flexible enough. So whenever uh... you come, it's always around how how can I cross pollinate this idea to various. Um, so the second project, uh, to answer your question, it was the the Isolationist, which is this film that I've made. Right. And I actually just did a in-depth um, podcast interview with Kenny for for her company One of, and we right. literally discussed this film for about an hour and a half, and like some of the philosophies and layers behind that. So uh, if you're keen to check that out, that's a thing. But like that idea right. for that existed for maybe three years maybe more and i just what? never had time the no, idea no, was just no, like no, 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 floating no. in my mind you kept it yeah. it was just it was out it was it was just like serendipity again that phenomena exotica of like right time right place and like the world gets it now because we've all been isolated yeah. but like the original yeah. idea was around the metaphorical sense of isolation and even when people feel a sense of mental health um uh uh, issues and you know when people are depressed or feel anxiety they tend to seclude themselves and like yes. isolate themselves from the world so it was those kinds of thoughts um that just kind of came to fruition in the in the version that they did because i was in lockdown in my apartment by myself right. uh, so that's kind of how that evolved um one of the things that had inspired it was clapping for the wrong reasons this childish gambino uh, short film that I'd seen. The one with Rihanna. So thing, but it just kind of gave me this idea to like use... The one with the Rihanna. No, 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 no. This this existed way before that. This was even before Atlanta was a show. Really? Um, yeah, Did yeah. So, yeah. Clapping for the wrong reasons. It's on YouTube, Vimeo, all of those places. Um, but yeah, so like the idea had just been swimming there. And like, you know, I think people generally have that. Like I've got a lot of ideas that I've had for a long time. And right, I've just never yeah time for so i started scripting it uh, i found this free software that helps you to format your your script and then i storyboard okay. it uh and then i and storyboarding is just finding the shots that are going to work for it and then yeah. i started shooting it by myself and being in it and you know it evolved and that was another project that i did but i mean in I between that I'm, I'm illustrating and i'm drawing uh i've set up my music equipment again um gondo from redux actually yeah. some beats just you know just Dope. to have fun with play around with so yeah. i just in avenues because what happens with me anyway with creative ideas once i've like it's like an exorcism you know it's like this thing that exists in you that you have to get out and once yes. you've it and it exists abstract to you like i'm depleted in that medium so like because i did this film i didn't want to do anything in video after that so I started drawing more. I started uh, writing and uh, working on like music projects again. Right. Yeah. And again, none of this is necessarily for the world's consumption. It's just another way to recharge the creative battery in another way and using different mediums. Because the things that I learn now doing that are always applicable all the way back around. And like right. this is why I film as a medium because in film. It's the culmination of all the things I've always loved. Like in storyboarding, I'm drawing, 
um, creating the physical uh, storyboarding of the thing. There's photography yeah. film through motion picture because right. the video is just a lot of photos in succession of each other in frames. Um, there's writing and writing the script. There's music production, the sound design. So like the holy grail, the mecca of creativity for me personally is film because films uh, can encapsulate all aspects of creativity, even yes. fashion. There's a, a Jean-Paul Gaultier, for example. There's a movie yes. called Element that he did the 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 wardrobe for. And if you've okay. never seen the Element with Bruce Willis uh, and Mila Jovovich, like go do yourself a favor and go see how even like taking someone whose niche is design and fashion and yes. applying it like a post-apocalyptic futuristic movie made made it like incredible work which is oh. why i like, like film is my thing but i mean yeah right. so that's how i've dealt with um the nature of being secluded isolation um and solitude that's so that, now, when that's, does the isolation is drop uh it drops on the 20th i might drop it early on the 19th but the goal is the 20th yeah. which is uh saturday um right. but very likely to be out on Friday. I'm, I might do just like a soft launch on Friday and start promoting it um, on the Saturday or the Monday. But like it will right. be available to be seen uh, on the 20th of July. That's dope. That's dope. So now when you get into like obviously everything you're doing right now is completely new to you. You know what I mean? You like releasing a short film and you being like the, the main person in the short film is, is, yeah. is all completely new. Now, when you go into something like that, what's the process? Like, um, do you read books on it? Do you, like, just watch movies just based around um, the concept of what you're trying to get into? Or do you, like, do you do, like, thorough, like, research? All of the above, man. Like, the first step is, is drawing on your resources of the kinds of film you admire and the kinds of yeah. directors you admire. The next step into that is reading up on those directors and their process doing that film. Um, and then it's straight up research into what is, so the way I do it is what is my idea? And then mm -hmm. how do I make that idea come to life? That's how I've learned everything I've ever done because I'm self-taught right. those things. So it's like, oh, I want this thing in, in the film. So now I've got to learn After Effects. Oh, I want right. to do this photo shoot like this. And then I have to reverse engineer how to do it and obtain mm -hmm. the skill set to do that thing. So that's kind of like the, the process that I follow. And like, again, film is just like this culmination of all of these things that i've kind of done at different stages of drawing of writing as a kid of consuming right. comics, of you know watching movies and like i'm a i'm a big movie buff um and especially in isolation i've consumed all kinds of very old very rare very weird very abstract movies you know i'm not watching fast and the furious during like my isolationist period i'm like i'm watching the Elephant Man by David Fincher. I mean, not David Fincher, David Lynch. Uh, I'm right. watching uh, Yorgos Lanthimos's The Lobster. All kinds of uh, abstract movies. I'm watching Citizen Kane by Orson Welles. Right. Very like movies that aren't generally in the in the mainstream, but are part of the filmography of like great movies you have to see. The same way, like to be a great designer, you must know great designers like. You must know who Mar Martin Margiela is. You must know who nah, John Kubo is. Ismiyaki. You've got to. I don't know who's that, bro. 
You don't know Magella? Get out of here. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do. I'm That's why I'm like, around. get out of here. But like, <laughs> if you want to be great, you've got to consume the greats because creativity is is much like a physical diet. Whatever you're consuming, yeah. um, it's going to show in your face. It's going to show in your in your palate, in your 100%. taste. 100%. Are you eating McDonald's and wanting to put the same bolt? Or are you eating (laughs) five-star Michelin meals and like having a balanced diet and exercising and pushing those muscles, you know, to be like a pristine athlete in your field? Uh, And that's kind of my approach to things. Once in a while, takeaway and fast food isn't bad, but if it's your steady diet, crap in, crap out. That's just... Right, 100%. and, And also just for like young or any creative... There's always going to be that gap between the things you consume and your actual ability. And, like, the work is the gap to reach that. So, like, you know, the films that I admire, I don't have the resource or the teams or the budgets to create them. But I'm working yeah. towards standing the elements to get there. The same way you would in, in design, uh, in right. product design or fashion. It's like you're consuming, you know, the echelon and the, the best uh, CMTs and the best fabrics, but the things that you have at your access may not be there, but you're working right. towards being there. And every time 100%. you do it, you get better so that when the resources meet your skill, eventually you're operating you're at a more level that's just like God level, you know? Yeah, bro. Big things start small, man. Big things start small. That's that's all the time. So now, what's what's the future looking like for you? Like, after the isolate, um, the, the isolist, what's next? The isolationist, the tongue twister, Eesh. right? Yeah. Dog, I thought it was the isolationist, the isolationist. <laughs> Say the isolationist. Uh, yeah, man, I've already started. Isolationist. Oh, my God. Yeah. I took like a two-week kind of slowdown period to just consume again. Um, yeah. Consuming movies, um, anime, books, uh, short stories, you know, all kinds of things. Um, but I'm working on a lot of illustration right now for myself so I've, I've got like these series of characters that i've just been drawing and developing and like playing around with so on a personal level i'm just working on those illustrations uh working on the music stuff with 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 just a bunch of producers and friends uh for the fun of it but on the yeah. work yeah i've got one or two you know bag projects to to sustain my living conditions yeah uh, and <laughs> bag projects yeah, and outside of that, like working on the next short film, like whether that's a fashion film or, you know, I want to do something very different to what the isolationist is, um, just so that I taste a different part of my brain and show yeah. change and diversity. Um, and that's going to be influenced by the things that I'm consuming and the states of the world now and the ideas yeah. that I have. But trust that True. it's going to be strange. It's going to be weird. Weird is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, no, the isolationist is... Is a bit is a bit I wouldn't say weird, it's just a bit different. Um there's a certain like shots that obviously I'm speaking from a point of privilege because I've watched it before it came out, obviously. Yeah. Um <laughs> but like <laughs> it's like I, I find it really dope because there's certain shots that like catch me off guard. And then there's certain shots where after I watch like when the credits pop up and they're like, I only see your name. Now I start I start questioning like a lot of the shots because a lot of the shots looked like you had someone there you know what yeah. i mean like a lot of the shots look like you didn't do it alone so i was yeah. like what the hell but like it's it's a really good short film because it get it got me thinking however it did plant of seed 
of what I thought it, it could be about. Yeah. Um, and the scene it did plant is that how... Um, okay, this is what I think it's about. I think it's about how um, isolation and lockdown has actually challenged us as people to really do an introspection on ourselves. And with that introspection happening, we've um, had to face demons and we've had to face um, happy moments and we have to face like all different types of emotions. And I think that's why there's a bath part where the person is cleaning themselves and after that they still see the demons but now it's more relaxed i don't know if i'm on the right path hey man you know what you know what the the point of for me uh creative projects is and especially film and yes. which is why like i leave a lot open to interpretation in the film from the beginning to the end there's no one way to see it because uh-huh. I've the film to about five people and I've had five different interpretations Obviously, so. obvious links that like connect all of everybody but like whatever is internal to you and the things that you have gone through and experienced you project onto the onto the film and they become true so every answer is correct in the way that people have perceived it because your uh, interpretation and uh, the way that you've decoded that information and internalized it makes it true for you. Um, yes. You know, everything is perception, and that movie is 100%. Perception. So you're uh-huh. correct, 100% in, in what you've said. Um, and everyone else who watches it will probably get the same thing. <laughs> or but I'm always more interested in yeah, everyone else's interpretation than the yeah. thing that was that I was saying, you know? And that happens all the time when we communicate. I can say one thing to you. But you hear something else in return, uh, and that's, that's the world. Like, you know, encoding information, sending it, and somebody else decoding it. Yes, yes. Okay. So last but not least, um, so there's an initiative that you actually took part of, or that you created last week, um, towards the end of the week, um, and uh, besides me really getting into it, just picking up from you getting into it, I'd like to tell me what, like, what. It, it was a part and why you did it. Um, you know which initiative I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I assume I do, but I'm not sure. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was basically around all that has happened and is happening and uh, gender-based violence um, in South Africa in particular. Right. The fact that we've got a femicide rate that's uh, approximately five times higher than anywhere else in the world and right. that you know that's a shocking statistic and like factoid whichever way you spin it and um i remember the last time this i mean i think it's been a consistent issue that's been brought up but it's, it's yes become forefront again um right after Unine, Unene, if i'm saying yeah. that right Unene, what yeah her, um it, it became an issue again um because we in this moment of protest and yes. people, you know, kept standing up and being counted again. But right, the issue that, right. that for me existed was as men, there's, for me, there's a very straight, there's a line in the sand now that I understand that I, I understood the last time was that if you're not acting against gender-based violence beyond lip service and a tweet, a Facebook message, uh, read like a Facebook, I mean, a Instagram story if you're yeah. not taking discernible action then you're complicit to the problem as a man um so i 
decided to take some some savings that I had and donate a thousand rand to five institutions that work in the gender-based violence space for women and children. Um, and then I put out the call to five men uh, in each tweet for each organization. And right. I encourage them to either find their own gender-based violence uh, institution or organization that's doing work and make a donation that meets mine or exceeds yeah. it. Um, and yeah, I put out the call and started tagging as many men as I knew as possible. Some ignored it, some responded, some that I didn't even tag responded, which was great. But you know, the the least I think men can do is talk about gender-based violence, which a lot of men didn't do. They talked about PS5s when the PS5 dropped. Yeah. Before that, they were quite... <laughs> and they're twerking. They talked about men twerking for a PS5 before they spoke about gender-based violence, which only highlights the the the, the magnitude of like the, the block in South African men's minds because the problem doesn't affect them. They ignore it. But as soon as we talk about race relations, you know, championing, yeah. tweeting, yeah. tweeting action is being taken so for me it was like let me make myself accountable and let me hold other men accountable and that was for me only the second step because i done that initially um in september and i managed to sell some artwork and took that thirty thousand rand that i managed to raise and donated to those same five organizations um and beyond that now it's for consistency because since I did that and, and until now, I hadn't done anything um, for, you know, the fight yeah. against gender-based yeah. violence. And I recognized that flaw in myself. And I was like, I need to be consistent with this the same way I'm consistent with other things. So what I decided to do as a second phase from those donations and um, challenging other men to make donations is that I've contacted two of those organizations. There's one called Power and they have a branch in Tembisa. Yeah. People, and there's another one called Frida Hartley. And what, what I've said power is that people of uh, I can't remember the of war action, against but it's people WA. Like you know, people should yeah. check it out. And the other one is Frida Hartley organization. And what I've said to those two organizations is myself personally and Studio Bila will become will go on their books as volunteers and then we'll lend our creative skill set for whatever they need. If they need design, if they need to create an awareness campaign, if they need to create a money raising campaign, if they need ideas um, to raise a win, whatever the thing is, this, these are the skill sets that I have and Studio Bila has, and we're going to use those um, as a catalyst to help, and we'll do yeah. that perpetually. So it's not going to be a one-off, it's going to be... Yo, man, count me in. Count me and in. And outside of that, I want to be going there every single week for at least uh, a couple of hours and volunteering, whether it's sweeping the floors, whether whatever it is. But those are the kinds of actions I think men are going to have to need to take for the reality to, to come home before it has to happen to their daughters, their wives, their mothers, their grandmothers, their aunts. This right. is a huge issue. It's about humanity and... We, we are lacking it as South African men, to be, yeah. to be frank. I, I definitely think we like it. Actually, I know we like it, but I, yeah. I think the main reason why I personally think it's lacking is because we don't have the conversations. I think I was telling Hayden this. Um, we just don't have the conversations 
around us as men. And what I've come to realize is that um, because we don't have certain conversations, we actually pro um, those topics as men because, like, we only we like we only talk negative. I don't know how to explain it, bro. Like, what we talk about is what we talk about and what we do, and what we talk about doesn't really matter to us. You get what I mean? Like, that's how yeah. I see it sometimes. So the more we yeah. have, like, more conversations like this, the more it happens around us, the more someone will be able to pick up the, um, like, someone will be able to stand for it and will know that that person won't do it again. Um, yeah. It's accountability in a word, man. It's if we're much. at the Royale or you're at a Bri or you're walking down the street and a woman gets catcalled or some some man harasses a woman you step in between that situation and you hold that man accountable because generally speaking it it's coward it's a cowardice act that they won't commit when another man calls them out on it and because in their minds they see women as weaker they think they can get away with whatever and they have some kind of position over those women who in which which they don't and as soon as another man calls them out for it the more it happens, the more they know that their behavior is being condemned and it won't be tolerated. And it's 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 a no-go, you know what I mean? Right, I definitely that, know what you mean, bro. That's exactly how it needs to happen. Whenever like and even with close friends, it's educate them. They if 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 they persist on a thing, uh, ostracize them and leave them out. Because in in psychology papers, it's been proven that one of the one like a big catalyst for behavioral change is if in a community or in a group of yeah, uh, people you hold close if they exclude yeah. you and they hold you accountable for something and they tell you they won't allow you back in until you change it there's a high probability that you will change that behavior uh. and, you know and there's a pyramid of this stuff from like locker room talk to uh you know giving yourself access to women smacking someone's bum or doing whatever and it escalates to the point where it becomes the most heinous of, of the violence but it starts right. with how you speak about women how you speak to them uh and it, and it just escalates because you allowing someone else to say derogatory things or use derogatory words for the next person they take it a step higher and they go well if i can say this then maybe i can touch her whenever i want to and pull her hand in the street the next person goes oh then maybe her body belongs to me and then escalates and escalates but it starts at the base level with the with our mouths and the words that we use to communicate and also what we're imprinting into kids um and young boys through these conversations 100 percent, 100 percent, bro so um before the end of every show i give the guest a chance to give us like some words of wisdom bro uh, so please, like, leave us with some word of wisdom. I, I don't know. The future I don't know with the future. Right, um, but, <laughs> but yeah, my my advice, you know, I wouldn't call it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't call them words of wisdom. But just my advice in life is, um, even when you feel afraid, proceed and act, and don't wait for the conditions to be perfect. Whatever you want to do, um, just do the thing. Whether you feel like you're expert at it or not. Do not be afraid to act and do the thing that you want to do. And if you fail, do not be afraid to begin again. Uh, and that, for me, encapsulates, you know, the human spirit, Everything. way that 100%. we approach people. So those would be 100%. my words. Use them, don't use them, you know. It's up to you. Yeah. yeah, thank you so much, bro. 
Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for the data. You know what I'm saying? Um, I guess, I guess we'll meet on Friday, which is tomorrow. Because um, this drops obviously on Thursday. No one knows when this drops, but regardless, everybody, um, check out Anthony Bina's new short film, The Isolationist, tomorrow. Um, just go to his pages. Yeah, bro. Shout out. Thank you for your time. Stay blessed. Yes, sir. I'll bless up. And you're alive on Dead Radio.